Love this podcast? Support us by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Hit the link in the episode description to support us now. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Have you ever wanted a twin? When I was younger, I wanted a twin. Really? Yes. Why? Did you watch a lot of Sister Sister? No, I think so. This is really a fun fact about me, but I always wanted a twin brother. And I think that was me trying to come to terms with the fact that I feel feel genderqueer. Oh, I see. So it's like, oh, maybe it would be cool if I had like if there was a boy version of me or something. But I don't think that anymore. Uh, okay. And then now I don't want a twin. So okay. did you ever want to bang a twin? <laughs> no. Like or twins together. Because I mean, like quoted to one of the episodes, that's like the fantasy, right? Yeah, people are weird. <laughs> I'm really vanilla when it comes to those kind of things. So, but uh, I mean, if I was attracted to someone, they just so happen to be a twin, but not like, oh, you're a twin. Let's get it on. Not right. For me. Yeah. Okay. What about you? I had a crush on a set of twins, but they were like hot. And mm. that was also like I was growing up and stuff. We were like young. I don't know if I ever had the fantasy of having them simultaneously because that borders the line of incest. So that's not my cup of tea. It's a little weird. Yeah. No, not for me. Try not to kink shame people, but just not for me. It's a popular subgenre in pornography. Really? At least in gay pornography. Like uh, if you get a set of twins. It's like it's like oh awesome like great like it's like rare to find in gay porn that's why people love it. Wow, <clears throat> who will like do things together kind of thing? Usually, <laughs> not to get crass, but usually yeah. they're like taking turns on a bottom. I think is usually how it goes. Guys, if you can't handle this conversation, then you probably can't handle what we're talking about today, which is the Cronenberg film Dead Ringers and the brand new Amazon Prime television show dead ringers yeah uh, not, let's, i don't i don't know the content we were just spewing not that closely related i guess but <laughs> sure sure it's just it's gonna it's gonna continue to go down a certain path shall we yeah say. that's that's fair so let's get into it i am nicole and i'm rolando and this is remakes reboots and revivals an original podcast about unoriginality un Any news before we get right into this week's episode? Actually, yes. Eddie shared with me something that I guess he wanted me to announce as news. Okay. They're coming out with a new Mamma Mia. Uh, not Mamma Mia. A new I was gonna big say. fat Greek wedding. Oh, yes. The third film. I've heard the of this. The third yeah. film. Can you yeah. believe? Mm -hmm. I never saw the second. And I don't know. No, like, neither did I. But Eddie loves my big fat Greek wedding. It's definitely like it's got its fan base. I remember seeing that movie in theaters. I thought it was fine. You know, it's fine. Okay. Um, Again, it's one of those successful indie films that we dream of as filmmakers. Yeah, yeah. The they're the exception and not the rule. Yeah, because the amazing thing about it, it was such a blockbuster hit. Right when people actually went to the theater, so like it made a ton, lot of money. There was no big stars in it. It turned Neo Vardalis momentarily into a star um and it kind of just made like i don't know even like was it a big movie that be provided a bunch of ripoff movies 
Uh, like what do you family mean? oriented movies started coming out after that because of the success of my big fat Greek wedding. I mean, I'm trying to pull some examples. I can't speak to the history of it. To quite honest, yeah. I know that the success is attributed to Rita Wilson. That's Tom Hanks's wife, right? Mm-hmm. She saw the play version of the. I think because I think it was a one woman show before it was a movie. She loved it convinced Tom Hanks to go check it out and Tom Hanks is the one who put I don't know if he put any funding behind it but maybe got her connected to the people to help make this a movie wow look at that yeah. Tom Hanks um okay I guess I like him again okay I don't know why you gotta hate on Tom Hanks <laughs> I just he needs to retire no he, he doesn't I you know what not until he gives it a movie with Meryl Streep <laughs> Oh my gosh, they've been in a movie, Rolando. What movie? The Post from 2017. I have no idea what that is. That is a Steven Spielberg movie too. D- I That's, don't. All I'm these people need to retire. Nobody Steven cares. Spielberg fanboy here. The Post is it about the New- is it about the New York Post or the Washington Post? Uh, I'm not sure because I haven't seen it either. It's one of the Spielberg movies because I didn't care because nobody cares because these oh. guys need to retire. Now I'm curious what post was it about? I feel like it was probably Washington Post and I feel it was Deep Throat related. I don't think it was that. Let's see. Let's look it up. If you hear me typing, I'm literally looking it up. Uh, Okay, here we go. Oh, it's available on Hulu. So (laughs) Rolando, very well called. It is about the Washington Post and the publication, though, of the Pentagon Papers. Oh, that wasn't that big of a scandal. I mean, I'm sure it was, but like, yeah. And it's Tom Hanks stars as uh, Bed Bradley and Meryl Streep as Catherine Graham. So I don't okay. know. You know, I actually really like journalism movies as a subgenre. So I think I might check that out. Really? I do. I do. Isn't that like oh, one? Because I remember also the one that came out about the priest. Yes, Spotlight. The Catholic I, Church. Spotlight, I that's it. the one. Was mm-hmm. Meryl Streep in that one or am I imagining that? You're imagining that. Okay. I never saw the movie, but I feel oh. like I saw her in the trailer. Well, if you like journalism movies, you should see it. I mean, it won I, the Oscar I, that year. I do not like journalism movies. Not I like uh, journalism movies and courtroom dramas. I really dig courtroom dramas. Yes, but I prefer I prefer twenty twenty for my journalism. Like, I give me Barbara <laughs> Walters interrogating someone, yeah, and I'm all about it. So you want actual journalism and yeah. not narratives? Yeah, precisely. Cool. Got it. Yeah, no, understandable and totally valid. Um. All right, well, thank you for the news. We probably will be covering it, so stay tuned when we cover My Big Fat Greek Wedding at 3. Does that mean we have to watch 2? I guess. Not really. We just yeah, watch that's the, true. We usually just watch the original and then, like, whatever the contemporary is. Come on. Yes, yes. It's only when we want to do extra that we re, that we watch, like, the sequels and stuff. Yeah. So, fun fact about um, the movie we're talking about today, 1988, the year I was born. Number five at the box office <laughs> was a movie called Twins. Oh, which is the book. Which this is, is based, the book the that title. this is based on. That's and the techni- original title for It's the uh, original title of the book. Oh, yeah. But that's the original title of the book. That's it not, is, The yeah. book is not related to Twins at all, though. The movie is very loosely based on the book, which is also kind of a somewhat biographical book about a real life pair of twins i'm talking about the movie twins is not related to the book yes the book yes so the movie twins stars arnold schwarzenegger and danny devito as twins comedy comedy hilarious 
<laughs> and it was a huge hit. And actually, David Cronenberg wanted to name his movie Twins because it was based on a book called Twins about twins. But uh, they but said, Sch- you can't. Schwarzenegger, Danny Schwarzenegger's got they it. Won. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a big year for brothers or like, you know, guy buddy movies because the top movie that year was Rain Man, which is about a set of brothers. Coming to America was also a big film that year. You that know? wasn't about I mean, brothers. They, they're not brothers, but they have a very brotherly relationship. Okay, sure. And uh, yeah, we're, we're just making stretches here. Why not? And then comes this movie, which is not called Twins. It's called Dead Ringer. So you did your research, I'm sure. Uh, you read about the twins that this is based on? No, I didn't do any of that research. I, I, I glanced at it, but I didn't care. The case is about Stuart and Cyril Marcus. <clears throat> and these are two brothers who were identical twins and gynecologists in New York City. They were both found dead in 1975 in, I think, Cyril's, one of their apartments. And they died three days apart. And their bodies were found in different rooms. Like, one of them was naked, one was half naked. And were... nobody knows how they died. Oh, they didn't have the maze of newspapers? Or is that like an urban legend? I th- I'm not sh- I I can't say. Okay. I, yeah. I feel like there was a twin that died that way. There was like a maze of newspapers. And then one of them got lost. They were going senile. Trying to get out. Ah, oh, maybe. And so the other brother was lonely and died there too. Well, they did say they were found in filth. And like prescription drugs and stuff were kind of everywhere. Uh, but... One of them had like barbiturates in their blood, but the other one didn't. Well, I think um, the other one could have just like been sad and just yeah. So so many people hypothesize like, did one of them have a mental illness? Did they do like a weird suicide pact? The strange thing too is that since they died three days apart, one of them was seen leaving the apartment while the other one was lying dead in the apartment. So it's all very, you know, people are just like, what the hell was going on? So somebody wrote a book about it called Twins, and David Cronenberg eventually got to this. Now let's pause and talk about David Cronenberg. Are you a David Cronenberg fan? No, I don't know enough of his work to call myself a fan. Um, I feel like I have seen at least one or two of his films. Did we cover something of his? We've talked about one of his films, and when we talked about our favorite movie remakes, and I mentioned that I'm a huge fan of The Fly. Oh, The Fly. Yeah, of course we've seen The Fly. Yeah, that I think is his most famous movie. And I, I think it's a masterpiece. Uh, it's a remake well fucking done. Um, it's a ding fucking dong there <laughs> to make a catch-up reference. And uh, oh. yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't know Ding Dong? No. Okay. Uh, he's also done other films like Shivers, The Brood, Rabbit, Scanners, Videodrome. More recently, he's done films like Crimes of the Future, A Dangerous Method, Eastern Promises, and A History of Violence. And he's known for his body horror. Uh, so do you find, like, you know, decay of the body and things being done to the body something that either grosses you out or is like a source of like, oh, that's that's scary to me? Neutral. It doesn't Neutral. gross me out, but I don't seek it out either. Mm, yeah. Like, I don't, I honestly don't think it's edgy when we see it on film. That's a, that's a good point because I think sometimes you mean like people do it in terms of like shock value. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. That. So would you maybe then be like Cronenberg is borderline an edgelord? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Uh, 
you mean, have to watch more of his films. I I'd have to watch more of his films to make that assertion, but mm. maybe. But that's the thing. I don't know. Did he like? Isn't he like known as like the godfather of body horror, though? Yeah, he's well. He's definitely one of the most prominent and one of the best at it. Um, because his is really effective. But he also does this beautiful thing where it's not just the body horror. There's actually a huge psychological. Uh, element that's at play in most of his films seem right. really well in Dead Ringers as well. Uh, so it's not just terrible things happening to the body for no reason. There's usually a reason for it. And usually it's like this weird, like the body is just this physical representation of what's going on internally. Um, so that makes more so. sense. Uh, that I could get behind instead of just like seeing, you know, gore for the sake of gore. Yeah. This was I'm his... thinking of like Rob Zombie movies. Like those I think are just like Mm, true well but then you could also say like he's doing it for the art of gore and for the art of you know depicting violence on cinema which some people you know there are artists who really do that and then there are just some people who just do it just to do it so I, I actually think Rob Zombie's kind of into the artist territory even though I'm not like the biggest fan of his films really even that like House of a Thousand Corpses yeah I mean okay yeah <laughs> Agree planning to out on that one. choreography <laughs> and planning out violence and makeup and stuff is as difficult as like staging a musical sequence you know like there's a lot of factors into it and to make it effective too like it's just a different type of choreography on on film so all right so this was his follow-up to the fly the fly was his breakout hit and it was a big success and it kind of put him on the map but he started stopped making like his lower budget b-movie films and he started making films at the a movie level and that's why he was able to get a big star like Jeremy Irons. So Jeremy Irons was already a big star? I would say so. I would say he was probably more well-known in like I don't, uh, British theater kind of roles. Like, I don't know if most Americans know who Jeremy Irons is. Um, the voice of Scar? That's how they know him. <laughs> Obviously. But outside from that, like he was in... The French Lieutenant's Woman and The Mission in the 80s. Like, these aren't movies that most Americans were, like, going to see on a Friday night, you know? He was Alfred of the new Batman movies by uh, this guy, Snyder. And in this movie, he plays Elliot and Beverly Mantle, who are twin, identical twin, gynecologists Mm -hmm. living and practicing in Toronto. Also, Cronenberg's, like, the most famous Canadian filmmaker out there. So Cronenberg takes this legend, as if you will, of Stuart and Cyril Marcus's death, and he completely comes up with a very Cronenberg-esque story to it. So this goes in so many bizarre directions. And okay. this movie kind of, like, mystified me upon watching it. I just didn't said, know what to make of it. Yeah, you just said that David Cronenberg is the most famous Canadian. James Cameron is Canadian. <gasps> James Cameron's Canadian? Yeah. He's the second most famous Canadian. <laughs> I didn't know James Cameron was Canadian. I'm, I guess I don't think of James Cameron as a can- Anyway. Uh, yeah, so anyway. <laughs> this movie mystified me upon watching it for the first time, which I did about a week ago. And I had to like do a lot of reading in order for me to kind of make up my mind about this film. Because oh. I was just so kind of taken aback by the direction it went into that I was like, I don't, I don't know. So I had to kind of do a lot of reading and stuff. Um, But before I get into that, you know, what did you think of this film? So as I usually do, watch things in reverse order. Uh, I did 
only because I only saw a couple of episodes of the new Dead Ringers, I necessarily wasn't sure where the story was going to go, so that caught me by surprise. Uh, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I didn't love it. I was yeah. sometimes confused as it's hard. Jeremy Irons did his best to play two different characters, but it's just sometimes hard to still differentiate them, especially when they were both going crazy on the drugs, basically. So it's like, yeah, wait. Yeah. And then at the end, I was confused. I was like, wait, but did this guy die or did he just take his identity? And now, you know what I mean? I was very confused by it towards the end. Um, and also, I don't know, the whole first act is about raping a woman, basically. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean... Bring yeah. it down. Like, the whole first act is literally these two men, like, switching places and having sex with this one woman. I was just like, that's rape. That's sexual assault. Yeah, so Elliot and Beverly, they're gynecologists. Elliot, he's the more outgoing, womanizing, you know, cynical one of the two. Mm -hmm. Beverly is way more reserved. He's very shy. And he's way more sensitive. Yes. So when he meets a woman, Claire, that he's interested in, Elliot... I thought... thought for the while, while watching the movie, I thought it was the woman who wins Terminator, not Linda Blair, Linda Hamilton. <laughs> I thought it was her. Really? When like a perm or something, I was just like, oh, I didn't know Linda Hamilton was it. Is Linda Hamilton wow. and Scar? I and don't then see after a certain while, I was just like, wait all. a minute, that is not Linda Hamilton. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't see it. I don't see any hint of Linda Hamilton in you this You are clearly just not as face blind as I am. The actress is Genevieve uh, Bujold, I think is right. her name. Right, nothing like Linda no, Hamilton. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> By the way, it's so funny, though, that you bring up Linda Hamilton, because she's an identical twin. Linda Hamilton is a twin? What? Is her other twin famous also, or? No, but there's a very iconic scene in Terminator 2 in which she's, like, removing things from Arnold Schwarzenegger's head, and uh-huh. she's looking in a mirror, and it's not a mirror. It's her twin doing kind of like a you know, mime thing. Yeah, know. yeah. I think you may have told me this when we were, when we did yeah, Terminator. Terminator, yeah, so. There you go, I forgot already. Crazy. <clears throat> uh, actually, there's a woman that appears in this movie as a twin, like he orders a pair of twins to yeah. come and do sex work. The escorts. And, and escorts. that woman would grow up to become a favorite famous actress. Her name is Jillian Hennessy. And she was in like Crossing Jordan and Law and Order. Oh, and okay. she's, she's an identical twin. So, wow. Anyway, so many twins out there. It's crazy. So many. So, Not in movies, apparently, because we pay actors to play double the role. I know. <laughs> I know. <He's> kind of <laughs> some thoughts about that, but whatever. So he falls in love with this woman who has a trifurcated cervix. So meaning she pretty much can't have kids because there's too many openings to her uterus. Yeah. How and does that work out? She has. I, to, know. I mean, there's only one. Like two already sounds like too many. So three is like, how three. do you have three? Yeah. 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 I, I mean, this film was seems like it's very gynecologically accurate. I don't uh, do you, you, <laughs> To an extent until we get to the end of the movie. <laughs> but so Beverly falls in love with her. Elliot goes and seduces uh, Claire for Beverly and then they fall in love. But she's too clever. She's like, when she first of all, she doesn't even know that they're twins. When she finds out that they are twins, 
then she realizes that two of them because she's like wow he's got split personality one day he's like this one day he's like this and then when she realizes they're twins it's like these fuckers and she should have just left right then and there but she doesn't because she's right. too in love with beverly because i guess i don't know there's something there <clears throat> which i don't see I don't see either. I I, I, that's see. the one thing that was confusing me. He's like, why? Like, I assume when she broke up, that's it. That makes sense, right? You yeah. were raped by two men. Yeah. Uh, or one. No, two. Because I guess I, the other one was complicit. Yeah. Yeah. Emotionally, for sure. Uh, taken advantage of. So. And so. But, you I, know, Claire herself is problematic. So it kind of does. It kind of is true to who she is because she's got all fucking issues. Oh, what are her issues? She can't procreate, I guess. That she's just an makes a woman go mad. An addict. Please. She's an she, actress. She. <laughs> no offense to any actors, please. <laughs> uh, she well, she clearly has trouble with romance because she goes back to this guy, but then she also gets Beverly hooked on her pill addiction, which is essentially a heroin addiction. So, it was opioids already. Yeah, opioids. Night. And so Beverly starts taking them because he wants to please her and he gets the prescription because he's a doctor. And then Beverly just slowly falls within this opiate addiction. And actually one of my favorite parts about this movie is when she goes on set and she's like away and he like calls her dressing room and her assistant picks up. He makes and this he... huge assumption. It was that... like the most ridiculous thing. It's like, did you think, what, did you like fist her? I think he asked, accused him of fisting her. And then yeah. it was like, you fisted a mutant. It's just like, Jesus, man. Like, yeah. this is the woman you're just, supposed to love. <laughs> goes down a fucking rabbit hole of just viciousness towards her. And then like self-hatred and depression. Assumes that she's cheating on him, which she's not. And sinks yeah, even further into his drug addiction. Them. Yeah. I was just like, wait, did they break up? I thought, they were, I thought she said which they were together. I thought was hilarious. But also like kind of bizarrely accurate. Like this this really over emotional person. So the juxtaposition between Beverly and Elliot starts to present itself. And you start thinking, what is Cronenberg trying to say here? And I actually found like this. I Like I said, I read a bunch of really interesting articles about this film. Mm. So Dead Ringers excuse the cliche of the good twin slash bad twin. In Cronenberg's hands, Elliot and Beverly are one soul, but they are split into two bodies and two mutually dependent minds at the point of conception. So issues of good and bad become issues of maleness and femaleness here destructively divided. Okay. I, yeah, I guess it's true because we literally have that, we have that scene, that dream scene where he sees them as conjoined twins and like he like tries to rip out a piece with his mouth. But the read of maleness and femaleness with Beverly, obviously, the name is Beverly, being the representation of the more sensitive, emotional female. I don't know. Is that offensive? I mean, <laughs> it was the 80s. So that seems on par for how we I thought mean, of yeah. gender binaries. Right? So there was a whole I, scene where like Beverly was like, are you implying I'm gay? And then he kicks her. <laughs> so it's like, but like you know i've said before it's just like i think anything before the 90s was just barbaric times Seriously. so but he's like incredibly needy he's like codependent like he's very negative um in those ways in terms of like this emotional representation if this is a representation of female is kind of offensive in my eyes um, i don't I, yeah i i don't necessarily know i don't know if i agree with that representation about maleness and femaleness right because 
Yeah. I thought the name being Beverly and like him, that one instance of like him, like being like homophobic. Uh, I really think this is mostly about a codependent relationship. And there's when there's a codependent codependency, there's usually isn't there like usually like a dom and a subtype thing mm, going on. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, Elliot is very much the dom in the relationship, and and Beverly is the sub. I to me, I think a more accurate read and one that I kind of rested on conclusionally was that it's the id and the super ego. It's who you are gutturally and who you are intellectually. Uh, well, who's so the Elliot, ego? Elliot seems to be more of the visceral being who just kind of does what he pleases, doesn't think twice about things, likes to like that one scene where he's almost encouraging Beverly to engage in a threesome with him. Mm-hmm. Like pure super it just feels good. Let's do it. Beverly's okay. the super ego really thinks about things through to the point of neuroticism, I'm sure. And just a bunch of things that sinks him even further down the addiction. So, and that like kind of, you know, push and pull between who, what we want in our gut and what we want in our head and how they affect one another. And it it gets represented quite literally because whatever Beverly's going through, Elliot also starts to suffer from. And then it gets fantastical (laughs) in true Cronenberg ways where Beverly's addiction causes him to think that mutant women like Claire is a real threat and he needs new gynecological tools in order to treat them. Right. And uh, this is the most Cronenberg-esque part of this movie. I'm like, of course he added this element in. I mean, to me, the movie would have been fine without it. I don't think it added too much to it unless maybe I'm reading, I'm missing some really cool metaphorical element. I don't know if you're missing it, but... I it didn't bother me. Could it be because you're a woman though? Do you find offense to it? Well, that's the like, thing. Yeah, there like... is like the treatment of the human of the female body specifically here that's almost yeah. like disregarded, right? Especially so. I'm thinking of the scene where he has the patient and he's using the wrong kind of forceps and stuff. And she's like, "Oh my god, this hurts!" And he's like, "Don't be." I mean, he basically says, "Don't be a pussy woman." Yeah. <laughs> As I shove this yeah. up y'all, pussy. Uh, <laughs> in my most uh uh. Oh. It could be because I'm a Jeremy woman. Jeremy no, Irons. That was a very good voice. Jeremy Thank Irons. you. Um, it could be, honestly, just because when I hate going to the kind of gynecologist, I hate getting pep smears. I don't think that it's natural uh, the way it feels, at least to my body. And also Cronenberg's movies effectively upset me in regards to what they do to people's bodies. But I think that's also why I like him and his stuff works for me. So, yeah, I think that after a while I was like, what the fuck? And kind of bothered. In both properties. To an oh, extent in both. Where, okay. In both, I was like, oh, man. So, I, and I, t- I actually get very affected by depictions of harm to the body in, in cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in real life, I am actually terrible at giving blood. I don't like to watch people harm themselves. I don't find that, like, particularly funny and stuff. So, I'm very sensitive to body oh i just had a very very invasive medical procedure done this week and let me tell you like it's just like i get it i'm just like yeah okay yeah no this is not but yeah yeah like you know and that was with like a general anesthetic like a general general yeah like a local anesthetic Mm. uh anesthetic it was still like fucking oof terrible isn't being under anesthesia kind of like the best sleep ever I wasn't. It was. Gen- I was localized anesthesia. 
Oh, so that's the difference. I yeah, see. localized means is just the area. And guess what? Might as well not put anything. <laughs> <laughs> I had the local anesthetic for my teeth removals. And yeah, I felt all of it. You're right. So. So, yeah, so essentially towards the end of this movie, you know, Claire returns and is like, I wasn't cheating on you. You're an idiot. And Beverly is like, oh, well, I'm too far gone down my opioid addiction. So why don't you just kind of like join me and be toxic for me? And then Elliot starts to suffer from it when Beverly starts recovering. Right. I wonder that I don't know. How did that flip? Like, was yeah, that's it, that's when it gets fantastical. Was he so like, was he so much to bear that is like, oh, I need I need these fucking pills to like deal with you. It did come on kind of out of nowhere, honestly. Well, and they lost. So they lost. I mean, they basically lost their practicing practice abilities because of Beverly. Yeah, because of Beverly. Uh, and as a result, I guess the other one just like, all right, I have nothing to do. So let's get you clean. But then in the process of getting you clean, he got. I got fucked up. Yeah. It yeah. just seems to be like an immediate transference. It, is, it leaves one to go to the other, which is why it seems to be this commentary on, you know, the super id and the ego and how maybe something might not be affecting you physically, but then it will stop bothering you intellectually or vice versa. Um, but that is, again, that's a metaphorical read. Yeah. Uh, which may or may not be accurate. So. I mean, I, I think the guy, the, the, the thing that you just read actually was interesting about one they're what one soul two bodies kind mm -hmm. of thing and mm -hmm. i guess that but that i don't know yeah maybe well, they are also kind of sociopathical because the movie begins with them as children and they look at people as not human beings but more so kind of like people that they can experiment on like they yeah. approach this girl and they're like you want to have sex with us we want to see how it works and she's like, you guys are freaks. Leave me alone. And then it cuts to them playing gynecologists on a Barbie. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like they're kind of fascinated with what bodies are. Like they don't even understand how bodies work, particularly women bodies. And they just yeah. want to kind of take it apart and study it. So it's maybe maybe that is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's why, like when I said this film mystified me, I'm like, there's a lot to unpack here that I really got to think about. So although it's not my favorite Cronenberg film, um, I would recommend you watch this film just and probably if you're interested in this, watch other Cronenberg films, because most of the time they will affect you in this way where you're like, what the hell did I just watch? Yes. So, um, only speaking now, as I've seen the flies. <laughs> yeah. And, and this now. So Jeremy Irons' performance. This. Yay. Nay. I liked it. He did good. I mean, I agree that it was hard to tell the difference sometimes between the two. But that. But. If the read that you gave me is accurate, right? That two two bodies, one soul, that would make yeah. sense then. It As would. to why Absolutely. it becomes difficult to to give the read. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the death scene when Elliot died? Elliot and, died, right? Yeah, Elliot dies first. And he willingly gives himself up in like a hero opioid induced frenzy to be kind of sacrificed for Beverly. And Beverly wakes up and he's just like, Ellie, Ellie. And you just yeah. like kind of like a child lost, you know, uh, in a pile of filth, which I was like, OK, now this is <laughs> if this is David Cronenberg's explanation for what happened to Stuart and Cyril Marcus. Like, wow. <laughs> but I was expecting to see some of that brutality because you mentioned it was a Cronenberg film movie. So I kept expecting it's just like, all right, when are we going to get some actual gross body horror? 
True. True. Well, actually, so I thought the most, I'm so glad you brought this up, actually, now that I think about it. He goes, he leaves the apartment, right? Mm-hmm. Right. He goes to a phone booth. And yes. he calls Claire. And Claire asks him, who is this? And Beverly doesn't say anything. He hangs up and he walks back to the apartment and dies in Elliot's arms. Honestly, this theme of being two souls in one body or split into two bodies, sorry, one soul into two bodies, I said it backwards, Mm -hmm. speaks so true with when he's confronted with who is this because he's no longer whole. He's half. He can't even answer the question as to who he is. And that's the thing. It could be Beverly. It could be Elliot. We don't fucking know. Yeah, so so maybe that's what confused me at the end because... When she says, who is this? I was, I thought it was just like, wait, is he like, was everything that we were experiencing just like, uh, like a manic, like drug induced hallucination and like, it wasn't mm. even real. Mm. That I was, that I was a little confused by that. Yeah. Because that, I don't, that doesn't seem like the natural response that you would get. <laughs> Especially if she had a relationship with this guy, you know what I mean? Like, which sure. brother is this? That would make sense, like, I guess, like, you know, because you already had the experience of, like, the two of them basically assaulting her, so. Well, but he never spoke. He just called and she was like, who's on the phone, right? Oh, I could have thought that he spoke. Uh, I don't, I don't remember, I actually. Sw- Are you, sh- I could have swore he must have. You, you may be right. You might be right. Yeah, I can't recall. 100%. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. And also when they die, okay, spoiler alert, they die in each other's arms. Oh, it's um, a movie from the 80s, I think. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you never really see the disfigurement of Elliot's body, so perhaps no, you it was. Yeah. yeah, so it leaves enough room for like what actually happened there. So, very because, interesting like, film. Bloody and like it looked like it was split open or something though. Mm-hmm. It did. I wanted to see. I wanted. Yeah, you didn't see. It looked like it was like sort of like like it was like almost like a surgery gone wrong. When he's on the table. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah. I was like, wow, Cronenberg is going to stay away for this moment. Okay, okay. The horror right. in our I mind is better. I was like for a horrific close-up or something and nothing. It yeah. was just like, oh. <laughs> uh, way, to, uh, way to cock tease there, Cronenberg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, again, really interesting film. Would definitely see it if you're interested in it. And, um if you saw the new series and kind of want to see the inspiration for the new series, you should check it out. But do not expect the same thing because Alice Birch, when she developed this, was like, yeah, we're going to take Elliot and Beverly Mantle twin gynecologist thing and we're going to totally go from it, go like run with it from there. Yeah. And almost everything changes. Uh, the big thing is that Elliot and Beverly are no longer women. They are now. I mean, no longer men. They are women. <laughs> I about to say, like, well, I'm uh, pretty sure they are women. Yeah. So they're women. And they're played by uh, the hottest girl ever, Rachel Weiss. Who I confuse with who played Talia in The Dark Knight Rises. Marion Cotillard. Yeah. That's who. That I see. Okay. I see. There you go. There you go. Not and... always wrong. They are, both are beautiful women. They do kind of have similar features. You know, Rachel Weisz looks like she could be related to Kate Winslet. Am I wrong? I, That I don't see. I could see Kate Winslet <laughs> playing this role, though. Oh, I could definitely see Kate Winslet. There's a lot of actresses I could see playing this role. 
Yeah. But what did we think of Rachel Weiss in the role? I actually liked her a lot in this role. I could definitely tell when it was, for the most part, Beverly and when it was Elliot. Now they had a huge thing <laughs> where Beverly's hair is always up and Elliot's That's hair also is true. always that is, down. That is a visual tell. There's a visual tell, but I the embodiment of the characters was different. The way like she spoke with more confidence and whatnot is Elliot. well, yeah. I mean, a Beverly had more of an accent. Yeah. Okay. And, and Elliot was much more street. Mm-hmm. Is I guess like like not a Cockney. I don't know. She just felt more like she'll curse. She'll curse. She wouldn't be as proper. Yes. There you go. Very proper. Almost kind of cold was Beverly. Right. So they're twin gynecologists and they're practicing in New York, even though they're British and they're highly successful to the point where they want to develop their own birthing center. Uh, right. They're trying to go after like a Sackler like family, the Parker family to help them fund this birthing center, mm-hmm. which they do get after the first two episodes. And it's just kind of about. <sighs> How would you describe it, Rolando? Okay. At least from what I've seen, the show focuses on two gynecologists who are want who have this relationship with the female body. One believes in the work the female body does of bringing life into this world. The other one believes we don't need the female body for that. We can create life in a lab. Mm. And so they both have two very differing views on how they want to run a new medical birthing center. But that's why they need all this money. Uh, we see the horrors of their jobs and how it affects them. And they both believe that they, each of them individually believe that they are the solution. So interestingly enough, unlike the film, this all two, two bodies, one soul, isn't as present here. Because here it's more like we are conjoined but, like, they don't necessarily want to be. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? This and... one... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Continue. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. This one almost borders into incestuous vibes, to be honest. Sometimes. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't I don't disagree with you there. How uh, far did you get? Two episodes in. Okay. I finished it. A third. Oh, did you? Wow. Yeah, that's so it rare. Because it's a six-part miniseries. So it I'm is. like, okay... This it's is a good. completed story. I will probably keep continuing it. I unfortunately was just busy. And... Okay. So you didn't see then what I was talking about. It gets into that territory. Oh, does it? Mm-hmm. For okay. me, at least. And I, when you finish it, remark on it. So let's then just focus on the first two then. No, you go, uh, You can spoil it. I, mean, I already saw the movie. I know how it was going to... I mean, here's the thing. Mm. It's also non-linearly at least told. So we get the... At least we get the implication that one of the sisters will die by the yes. end of this miniseries. Yes. And she, the other sister who survived, Beverly. Right? Uh, yeah. Uh, Beverly. The the one or, who survives. Yeah. Yeah. Is at a at one of those like trauma meetings or like mm-hmm. depression meetings where you talk about your feelings and stuff and like surviving the loss of a family member. But at least for the first two episodes, the show's focusing on like how they're trying to get this grant in order to build this birthing center. And uh, meanwhile, Beverly's also juggling this relationship with a new like, TV star who, similar to what happened to Claire, kind of wants to juice her in order for the sister to get her. Now, one sister's a yeah. lesbian, the other one's bisexual, right? Yeah, although we never really see her fuck around with women, the bisexual one, but technically, yes. I think she she's fucked around with Claire. Pansexual. Claire? 
Uh, not Claire. The actress. I I called her Claire because I saw. That. Oh, Genevieve. <laughs> Uh, Genevieve Cotard. They named her after the actress who played Claire uh, in the original film. Which is funny. Actually, the share that Genevieve Genevieve Cotard is in is Rabbit, and that's a Cronenberg film. So I'm really tired of these cliffhangers that they develop for television because they're not as clever as they think, and sometimes they're unnecessarily like, and now we got to throw in something for people to want to stay tuned. So that whole cutting to her in a trauma center saying, my twin died and you being like oh my god what what happened that like, was a good I don't think british accent thank you i don't think it works as well as they thought it did it was just thrown in to be a cliffhanger and i'll tell you why my roommate guessed the twist like that, that there's a twist but and just, you just oh don't spoil it because we might have listeners who want to check who want to check out the show yeah so, so do you want to make a guess? Do you have any inclination of what it might be? Because I could tell you if you're because if you know as well, or if you have a hint of what's going on, then I can't it's not well done. I honestly can't speak to like I wasn't it's not that I wasn't interested, but I was enjoying the ride <laughs> for the first episode. Okay, okay. Because that first episode I think was pretty powerful in terms of seeing like how horrific the birthing process is on the human body and the soul. Yeah, yeah. Right. And the, and the twin really... swapping too was great. Yeah, yeah, no, but I'm talking about the actual, like, being in the actual hospital, right? Like, when we saw that woman die yeah, because of the negligence of the hospital staff. And that kind that of gave sad. us more credence as to, like, why Beverly wants to have this birthing center. Uh, but also, I mean, it was so graphic, that opening, of just seeing, like, just women's bodies just, like, being split open, giving birth. And it's just like, ugh, ooh, as yeah. a man and as... Of just like, oh my god, like why why do women endure? Something? Yeah, yeah. No, I literally like I don't mind going to the doctors. I like going to the doctors because I want to make sure I'm okay. But the gynecologist to me is like unpleasant. Like how some people feel about de- dentists. And this did a really good job of showing showing you just how horrific it could be, or beautiful to some minds. So do you want me to tell you then what the twist is? Well, I just said uh, uh, what about our audience who might not want to know? Well, then, guys, skip ahead 30 seconds. All right. That's a fair warning. Spoiler alert. You've been warned. So it's Elliot masquerading as Beverly. Bam. That's what I kind of did think. See, you thought it. That's why I asked you. It's just like Beverly, right? It's Beverly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, but that's the thing. It's kind of like predictable because they throw that in had they just told the story instead of throwing in a cliffhanger at the end to get us to watch more then we wouldn't have been like oh i figured it out now i don't need to watch like i guess that's for me and television unfortunately has to do that that's part of the medium well streaming specifically well i guess television in general you gotta like hook the people for a narrative storyline you're trying to hook people to continue watching i do agree with you it's a cheap trick and you don't necessarily have to do it Mm uh sometimes you could be smarter about it uh but honestly, I'll take that over instead of beginning with a flash forward and then like, well, how do we get there? Mm, so. Yeah, that's become completely overused in terms of uh, storytelling. So, but so my favorite thing about this show, other than staring at Rachel Vice, is the Parker person, the one with the glasses. Is that the investor? The investor. Oh, yeah. Actually, I that second her. episode was utterly brutal. I loved yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I preferred the second episode over the first episode, which is the second episode that made me say, is like, I'm going to continue this show. The show's good. This is good. So the second episode, in terms of the storyline, so not needed, but was enjoyable. 
right? We didn't really learn or gain too much other than we just explored the space and the characters. And, and the got space their money that these characters the... leave and and they got their money. We could have just they could have just gotten their money and we didn't need that whole episode. But to stay with these rich people, like this incredibly rich people and their dynamics and yeah. the games that they fucking play was so fucking fascinating. But so many things that Susan said, I was like, I want to hate you and I can't. Oh, yeah. You're right. You yes. Rich bitch. And she, she just delivered her lines beautifully. She was good. Uh, does she les out with Beverly or... Does she les out with, uh, I can see her lesing out more so with Elliot. That's why I said, so Elliot's not bisexual. We don't see her like getting no. it on. I no. So I thought the two of them would at least get it on. It looked no. like they had like that sexual chemistry. No. Oh, yeah, right. I know. What a bummer. Yeah. Um, but there is Genevieve Cotard, this actress that Beverly has a crush on. So Elliot gets her for Beverly, but then Elliot becomes jealous that Beverly's falling in love with some other woman. So again, weird incest vibes. It goes into these whole directions, but Ali will tell you after completing six episodes, I stand by the fact of what I think about most television shows, which is this would have been a stronger film. It just too many elements got added that didn't need to. Now, you remember in episode two when we cut to Greta and Greta's picking out things from the trash and putting them in bags? Oh, that the the maid? Yes. Yeah. What about that? It? Doesn't get explained until episode six, and I just did not care for the way that it just felt so fucking thrown in. And was like, ooh, what's espionage? going on here? Because we want to throw in an element that's confusing you, and like, it was just unnecessary. And no, it wasn't. It wasn't. No, okay. Oh, I'm curious how what it is. So again, it could have been a two and a half hour movie, fine, but it just it it should have been shorter. It just lost its way for it got lost in the sauce for a bit. There were too many things that we didn't need. But I I mean you, it was interesting. <laughs> uh our film writers, they're also striking, right? Yeah, everyone and who's a member of the WGA is on strike. Right. Yeah. So yeah, guys, while we were talking recording this episode, the WGA strike is happening because these people are getting severely underpaid for their work, and they're the ones that come up with stories for everything you love. The stories everything that Nicole is complaining about, right? So, God forbid these people work for their money giving you six episodes. Nicole's just like, ugh, it should have just been one movie and only pay one writer. But the writing is good. It just, that's the thing. Like, I feel like these writers are pressured into being like, what do we do? How do we fill up these six episodes? And fuck, these people have to do 10 or more. You know, like yeah, it becomes I mean, a struggle to fill the space. Six episodes is very little for American television. Just it is. throwing point well, that out. Well, it's not a hey. television series. It's a mini series. There's, so it's, there's that. That might be a lot for a mini series. Although I think the first season of White Lotus, which was originally a mini series, was like eight episodes. Mm. So I, I think usually when you say a mini series, it's just intended to be just a one season off, and it could be as long as you want it to be, if you want it to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? And kind of so, like Mayor of Easttown. Maybe it's these like mini series that I have a problem with because in Mayor terms of me. Of Easttown, uh-huh. I think it's getting a second season though. What? Okay. I think. But I well, think but I but to your point, yes, it was announced as a mini series because that was the intention. It was just gonna be a one off. Yeah. But I think people love Kate Wizard so much on her their TV weekly that they're just like, All right, a season two, it is it is. Well, if the argument is that because there are people who would argue that television is the better platform to tell stories because you have longer time. I would say that this is an example that that's not the case because it got too lost in the sauce and wasn't concise. So 
what to you, to you, so now we're just getting into a philosophical debate about the merits of TV versus film. Well, let's focus what, on story. Okay, yeah, so, so for you, as someone who literally always complains that story is not the thing, it's not about story, never story, it's always about the the views. and like It's not the, the most important thing that makes a movie. No, it's not. <laughs> um, I think that's what people think that like, I think people forget that like usually with TV, it's not about the stories, right? Yeah, you get a longer story, but usually get you more character development, right? So did this show explore these characters sufficiently enough for you? So, for example, in... episode two, you, you complained that, oh, it wasn't really necessary to the overall story. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. Uh, I don't disagree with you because if the only thing that we need to get out of that was the fact that they got their money, um, what was that episode four? It was for me to see more so like just how... Parkers. Well, how fucked up they are, but also still see more examples of how fucked Beverly and Elliot are and their relationship with each other. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on whose character is getting developed and whose I personally, I guess, in this case, would deem as important to the overall story or as in terms of what I think is important to my enjoyment of the mm-hmm. case. Uh, sometimes these shows have too many characters and do too much character development to the point where they want you to connect with every single person, but then it lags and it lags and it drags. Kind of like Lost, where everyone had to flash back to their life or whatever, and and then they just kept adding new characters and new characters, and everybody kept getting that, and like it, it developed so much fucking character that they forgot about what was happening on the island. Right. Well, I think Lost, the other problem is that it was network TV, and you had to fill up 20-something episodes per season. Which is also why the right. why I say television's a problem, because then, yeah, you you literally said it. We have to fill this up, so let's just add unnecessary elements and unnecessary elements, and then you get, like I keep saying, Lost in the Sauce. Now, right, this, but now, but but we've gone to streaming where, like, it's a lot less, though, so... It is a lot less, and, and that's yet too for, much for you. this six-minute episode, I wish you would finish it, um, because this character of Greta and her element there... I thought was didn't really give me anything. Okay. It wasn't developed enough for mm. me to connect to it, but in in a way, the, the way that they did develop it just kind of felt bizarre and like, why was that in there? What was I supposed to take from it personally? Yeah. Although I found it to be moving in some regards, I also found it wholly unnecessary. Yeah. And look, I'm not, I'm only playing devil's advocate here because there, we have actually watched some shows where I was just like, oh, this probably would have just been better as a movie. Uh, yeah. Grease comes to mind. Yeah. I think that one's just like, okay, this is perfectly adequate, but it could have been just a, mo- a, sh- a movie. We didn't need it as a show. It happens. Uh, so, there you go. Not for sure. I mean, but you would continue watching this? Probably. I do think that Rachel Weiss did a great job. She um, was great. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm... where do I know Rachel Weiss? Am I supposed <laughs> to know where she the is? The mummy, maybe? No way. She's yeah. the mummy girl? Yeah, she's God, the mummy girl. He has yeah. aged miraculously. I know, for a white woman too. I mean, he so she's a... kind of like a queer icon. This is her third, maybe fourth time playing a bi or gay character. And I just love her for that. Good God. Wait, yeah. no way. The the mummy was what, 90s? She was what? 1999. Like, mm-hmm. She was in her 20s. So how old Yeah, she? she's in her 40s. Oh, she does Actually, not Actually, no, she's 53. Does not look it. Could yeah. could have fooled me. Her husband is Daniel Craig, and honestly, like he's lucky. He's lucky. Uh, the 007? Yeah. Oh, yeah. like good for him, I guess. 
<laughs> she was in the favorite. I don't know. Did you see the movie? No, I didn't see the favorite. That's about the lesbians and, and the queen. Yeah, it's a great movie. Is it anything like Bridgerton? I've never seen Bridgerton. I can't answer that question. Then I probably won't watch it. Okay. <laughs> so in terms of portraying, these are two non-twins <laughs> playing identical twins, right? And they yeah. both uh, had to... Now, I'm sure they. it was an easier time for them to film Rachel Weisz because a lot of times you can just CGI a person in or do more tricks it was probably harder for jeremy irons and he spoke about how he had to develop like different walking patterns for himself in order for him to think about who he was playing who do you think was more effective in this role of the identical twins i think for me i preferred rachel vice because she was able to give me two different characters mm. where jeremy yeah. irons i kind of got lost sometimes it's like who is who but i also think that was intentional Yes, absolutely. I would, you know I would I mean? agree with that. Yeah. Now, I will say the way that the show ends, which we can't really speak about, I didn't buy it. Okay. And I didn't I didn't feel satisfied by it. Um, but maybe that's the original film affecting my point of view. Okay. Should I spoil it? Well, I kind of already did. One of them dies. I don't think she would be... The way that they show this relationship, they have an incredibly codependent relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I believe that one of them would be happy living the rest of their life with other twin i don't know i think you might be affected then by the the film because yeah i think in I these two, i think in these two episodes yes seeing the cracks in the foundation here yeah i think that they i think these are two at least from these two episodes i think these are two women who absolutely detest each other but are could are yes conjoined because they're sisters and i think once that bond is broken it's just like oh thank god you know mm, and yeah. that's only from two episodes that i was able to get that they just so i don't, don't know how to exist without each other kind of a thing but they want to exist without each other just right know how to yeah i would say that that's so far at least in these two episodes of what i've seen they just have such severe disagreements so these two sisters disagree in a way that jeremy irons's brothers did not yeah yeah and the way that they begin it is very interesting because it begins with them at a diner and then this man hits on them and says, you know, oh, it's that's a fantasy, two twins. And then they mock him by saying how much they want to fuck each other. And it yeah. was, to me, really interesting. Again, that's why I consider their a relationship to be somewhat incestuous because the show kind of starts off with an image of them graphically describing how they would fuck each other. Mm-hmm. And But it also shows you that they're kind of sociopathic too. These, right. These both of these pieces do not portray identical twins in a good way, guys. So. Did Rachel Vice talking dirty do it for you? Oh yeah, I kind of <laughs> kind of loved it the moment it started. So, <laughs> um, but I mean, really interesting piece. I'm glad I actually that Eddie was the one who pointed out that we should watch it, and he's not even freaking here. He is not here. No. Is he uh, watching it? He is watching it also. Uh, can I say my main complaint about the TV show though? And I don't yes. know if this is this has to be true because I watched it on two different devices. Oh, the show is too fucking dark, and not like tone. I'm literally talking about like the cinematography. It's so underlit. It's annoying. I can't watch it in my living room. Same. I can't watch it unless it's dark out because I can't see shit. Yeah, it's fucking annoying. Yeah, it is. I, I want to write to uh, to to Amazon TV and be like, "Yo, can you get a better DP? Because this ain't cutting it, bro." Ooh. 
Yeah, take that, Jody Lee Lipes and Laura Marianne's and Gunclaws. I will tell you one thing that also was weird. The scene where Beverly tells Elliot that she had a miscarriage, I felt was a little stunted. Okay. The performance, like they were on the street and stuff. It just felt like a little bit more like theatrical than like, mm. like, like film, filmic or television quality, in my opinion. Hmm. Those are just my observations from this. But mostly, the biggest gripe I have is how I can't see shit in this show. I, that so is annoying. a big gripe, yeah. I don't know if I completely buy the chemistry between Beverly and Genevieve, but I also think that's intentional because I don't know if Bever- Beverly's just a very cold person that I don't know if I buy her being in love with anybody. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Genevieve, Genevieve, I think, fell too quickly for her. It was a little... Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't see what there was to to fall in love with Beverly over, other than the fact that she's Rachel Weisz and she's stunning. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, interesting. And uh, this is going to be two pieces that are based on 80s movies that we're going to be doing in a row, because next week we're going to be doing the television series that is based on Fatal Attraction, which Dang. I can't wait to talk about. So so exciting. It is very exciting. Um. Okay, guys. If you watch Dead Ringers and you have some thoughts on Cronenberg or this new piece, if you agree or you disagree, you got to reach out to us. You can email us, remakesrebootsrevivals at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Instagram at remakesrebootsrevivals. You can hit us up on Twitter at remakespodcast. You can also search for us on Facebook and YouTube by searching for Remakes, Reboots, Revivals. And if you are listening on a podcasting platform, please go to our page, follow us, subscribe, rate, and review if you are able to, to let us know what you think. Mm-hmm. I think I've got that down to a T. Like you I, do. I do. That's why I you do, do it. Yeah. <laughs> I just. I stumble through it. <laughs> well, like we said, next week is going to be Fatal Attraction. And then the week after is going to be Dungeons and Dragons, which I look forward to listening to on my flight back from Paris. You listen to episodes that you're not on? I listened to when you guys did the one when I was at Disney. Was that Superman? I think it was Superman. Yeah, I did. We I just, listened. Mm-hmm. We were just reading the hotness, which. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I love you guys. It's like hanging out with my friends. So, no. Yeah. yeah, I don't listen yeah. to No, I know. I'm not on. I know. It's so. one of my favorite things about you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, until next time, stay, stay an original. original.